Welcome to this episode of Catching Knowledge, where we want more than just fishing knowledge, we want catching knowledge. Today we get to talk with a sight fishing legend and MLF pro, Shaw Grigsby. My interview with Shaw was so good and so long that we had to split it into two episodes. This episode will learn about how Shaw got started fi- fishing, his experiences with reptiles, and about some of his favorite tournament memories and some more great stuff. Next episode, you'll hear about why he chooses to fish for MLF Bass Pro Tour instead of a Bassmaster events, and some of his favorite knots, and a lot more. I really enjoyed doing this interview, and I think you'll really enjoy listening to it. But before we get started, I'd like to tell you about this episode's sponsor. Climb Tree Service is located in Winona, Minnesota. Climb Tree Service offers low-impact tree trimming services and removal services. They can also remove your stumps. If you're in southeastern Minnesota, you'll want to check them out for all of your tree trimming needs. You are not going to find a more hardworking, honest, and humble guy to take care of your trees. I know, it's my Uncle Brandon's business. If you want to work with someone with integrity, he's your guy. Look on Facebook for Climb Tree Service in Winona, Minnesota. Now let's get going. I have a real treat for you today. And actually, a real treat for myself, too, if I'm being honest. Today, I get to talk with V. Shaw Grigsby. He has nine first-place finishes in both Bassmaster and MLF tournaments. And that's not to mention all his top 10 finishes and top 20 finishes in both the Bassmaster and the MLF. Shaw has been sponsored by many big names like Luz, Seagar, Strike King, Eagle Claw, and Trocar, Motor Guide, and more. Shaw has lived life and appears to have fun doing it. His, he's a sushi-loving guy from Gainesville, Florida, and has hunted snakes, hunted alligators, raced motorcycles, and qualified for the Bassmaster Classic 16 times. He's been inducted into the Legends of the Outdoors Hall of Fame, Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, and Bass Fishing Hall of Fame. <laughs> what did I miss? That's it. <laughs> All right. You did good, man. You thanks did for good. being on. Thanks for coming on. Man, it's great to be here. Great to be here. And I, I'm inspired by you, truly. I think it's awesome that, you know, that at your age, you're doing a podcast and helping people learn how to fish. That's really cool. Thanks. Let's get started. How and where did you start fishing? Well, you know, my, my parents loved it. My dad was an avid outdoorsman, so he'd hunt and fish and do it all. And so, you know, my first fish that I caught, I caught it at a 4-H camp and, and a little bluegill. And then I can remember my first bass, which was that, you know, what's really cool. And, and you're 12. Do you remember the first time you sunk a basket in basketball? No. No. And, and you probably, now you might remember your first home run in, in baseball. You might do that, but yeah. most likely not. But so I'm 66 years old. And I remember when I was five and caught my first bass, my first largemouth bass, I hooked it. I'm using a little Zebco spin cast reel, H and H spinner bait, throwing it in a little river in Louisiana. That's the name of the river, little river. And I hooked this thing and it wouldn't, the, the reel, you know, just, it was real hard to turn. I'm like, what's going on? You know, I thought I was hung. Next thing you know, this big fish is jumping. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I can't turn the handle. I turn around, put the rod over my shoulder, ran up the bank. And when I got up the bank, 
you know, I drug him up on the bank. I turned around and jumped on the mud on top of him and caught me a three pounder. So that was like the biggest bass ever. And it was huge. And, and I'm hooked for life. I mean, I love and am passionate about fishing. Yeah. Um, that's pretty big for your first bass. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, I couldn't hardly move it. So you, that's why I ran up the bank because I could hardly turn the handle. Uh, when did you start with reptiles? I heard here you have a lot of experience <laughs> with reptiles. Yeah, so I'm an outdoor kid, okay? So we were hunting at, at the age of five, six, seven. We'd be in the hunting camp and walking in the woods, and, and I had to learn how to navigate the woods because we had nothing but a compass, and we didn't even use that much. You use that. If you had an emergency and you got lost, you used the compass to say, okay, I know I can go this way and find a road to get out. And uh, so, you know, hunting and fishing and and you just run up on snakes and I think it's cool. So I started catching little snakes and rat snakes and black snakes and whatever you catch. And then it graduated to me being stupid. You get you get stupid when you get to be a teenager. <laughs> You're not yeah. there yet. You got another year. Anyway, don't get stupid. Anyway, so I started catching poison snakes, you know, just as a kick. And so it, it, in back in the old days, there was a show, uh, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. And, and it was an awesome show. And, uh, you know, we didn't even have a TV. So for me to be able to watch it, I had to go to the neighbor's house. But we'd watch this show, and it got me excited about the outdoors and all kinds of cool stuff. And they'd be wrestling gators and wrestling this. Marlon Perkins was a star. And Tom, who was Tom Allen, which was Ross Allen's son, was the st one of the stars of the show. He's the one that would wrestle the snake and wrestle the gator. And Marlon would be out talking to him. And, and uh, anyway, so Ross Allen, I mean, Tom Allen's dad is Ross Allen, the world's foremost authority on poisonous steaks poison snakes and they had this thing at silver springs about 30 miles south of me i live in gainesville florida and this is silver springs is in ocala florida and it was a big a tourist attraction and it had the reptile institute at silver springs and so you could go in and see you know the the black mambas and you could see you know the world's most deadly the the cobras the king cobra and all the neat snakes and we'd go visit that and and so i ended up catching them for fun and learning through watching him and stuff like that, how to hold them and how to not hurt them and stuff like that. And so you're going to love this. When I was a, I think I was a junior in high school, I brought a live cottonmouth, about a three foot live cottonmouth and about a two foot live rattlesnake to school alive in an aquarium and put them in our science class wow. teacher loved it we didn't even have to worry about you know nowadays i guarantee there would be a a young man or woman in your class at school that would think they're faster than a rattlesnake right and they would say i can get in and out quicker than a rattlesnake which you can't so anyway, they would test you and try it uh, we didn't have that back in our days our days you're pretty smart you're you're pretty pretty cool and they they really did things easy and right and and i didn't have to worry about it and we actually fed the cottonmouth a bluegill in class you know we put one of those old 
aquariums that you see that kind of rounded on the side, little hole, and and uh, put a little bluegill in it, and and he ate it, blasted through the water in the top, and then got it, ate it. It was it was really cool. So we got to learn a lot about it, and then I sold them to Ross Allen at the Reptile Institute. So that was kind of my beginning in the in the poisonous snakes. Now I I caught them up to probably I don't know twenty years ago. You know, and I was probably 40 something and, and one almost got me and I decided I'm not, I'm not as fast as I think I am. <laughs> so I, I just said, I'm done. So I don't catch them anymore. Didn't you like wrestle an alligator out of, because of like. How do you get this stuff, man? That's So yes, I did that, that same, my teacher, biology teacher, who was Virginia Allen. So that was one of Ross's wives, an ex-wife. And she was my biology teacher. And one day she comes and grabs me. And I think I was in math class and she grabs me out and she says, Hey, uh, you know, Sean here. And they go, yeah, here. And I get out and she says, Hey, I need you to, to catch an alligator. There's an alligator in the Creek. And I'm worried that one of the kids might get bit. And I'm going, what about me? I'm a kid. <laughs> you know, I don't want to get bit either. <laughs> and, and so, uh, anyway, we waded out the creek. Now, the only gators I'd caught have been on a rod reel, like a buzz bait or a topwater bait or something like that. So, anyway, I waded out in this creek, and there's this gator, and he went down the bottom, and he submerged, and I snuck up behind him just like I would a snake. You know, you get behind their head where they can't really see you because their eyes are facing forward, so I'm right behind him. And I grabbed him, and boy, he just, I mean, he blew water everywhere. I finally got a hold of his tail and held on. He's, you know, about a four-footer, three-and-a-half, four-footer, and I caught him. And, and the, my, my biology teacher took my belt off, you know, and off my pants in the creek. And I had kids lined up on the bridge and down the side of the creek and all that watching this. And uh, she took my belt off. We wrapped it around the mouth. So gators can't open their mouth you could hold a 10-foot gator if you can reach your hand around it you can hold it closed they can't open it so they have no opening power closing they can take your arm off you know they just snap it off so a big gator so we just held his mouth closed and got the belt around it wrapped it held it and we walked it out of the creek and then taped it with uh, i think we used electrical tape or something taped his mouth closed and then took him to another teacher's uh, farm that had a little pond and he said yeah you can put it in my pond so we let him go there but yeah man you've done your research i'm like wow you've also killed some way bigger gators well oh yeah that's that's like so that's a family thing now we we got into gator hunting and in Florida, it's you got to draw a tag, kind of like you do out west in deer hunting and, and elk hunting and stuff like that. You put in and draw. And unfortunately, we don't have in Florida preference points. So not having preference points means that you some years you don't get drawn. And, and this is my year. I didn't get drawn this year. But pretty much most years, you know, every other year I'll get drawn. And this year my son got drawn. And so what you do when you draw a tag, you get to go harvest two gators and they're delicious to eat. So we love eating them and it's so fun to get them. And we don't do it like you see on swamp people. So like swamp people, you know, like when Troy did it, you know, and, and I'll, he'll hang a bait on a hook and then the, they'll eat the bait and then they'll swim around. They come up and grab the line and bring him up and fight him a little bit and then shoot him. Uh, well, with us, we can't even carry a gun. So you can carry a bang stick and a bang stick is a stick 
with a, an end that you put a bullet in the end. And when you hit him with it, the bullet goes off, you know, the cartridge explodes and the bullet goes in him and you shoot him in the brain. So we, we can carry that. We can't use a hook unless you're casting it like a treble hook to, to snag them. So we can do that and we can bait fish them. So you can shoot them with a the bow. There's all kinds of different ways, but mainly what I do is we go with a rod and reel. And, and we see what we want. We go, yeah, that's a big enough gator. And we cast it over the top of him and hook him and have a great fight. It's like a giant, giant fish, you know, and you're just fighting him and fighting him, fighting him and, and get him up. And then we harpoon him and bang stick him and, and then process him and, and we eat good the rest of the year. So that's normally how we do it. And nowadays we have, you know, the electronics that are ridiculous, like, like, uh, you know, the Lorance with the structure scan, or the, or the active target shooting forward where you can find that gator. And so you can see him when he submerges on the bottom, you can go, there he is. Then you make the cast and get him. So it's getting a little bit easier. It's not, still not. I mean, I hunted almost to the last day of the season to finish my tags last year at Lock Loose, our, our local lake. So it was really, it, we got two big ones, but it was, you know, it was hard going. So it's fun. It's a lot of fun. You'd love it. Yeah, I watched the YouTube video. Uh, <laughs> crazy. With uh, Blue Gabe? Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. Dude, did you watch the one he did when he dove in with the uh, with the iguanas? No. Oh, you need to do that. You go to Blue Gabe, you know, the, the, the YouTube deal, and, and look at his iguana show. You will love it. This guy's amazing. Of course, my show, he dove in. The line got hung up on a rock. Oh, and yeah. he di- he dives in with the gator and God, I see his little feet sticking out of the water. I'm like, you are insane. <laughs> you know, get out of the water. But anyway, he's a great guy. I love him. So yeah, cool dude. So can you tell the listeners what you mainly fish for if they don't already know? You know, I, I make a living bass fishing. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's what I fish for. But I'm born and raised in Florida. And my dad was just an all-around outdoorsman, so we did a lot of saltwater fishing. So we we would fish for redfish and trout, and and as I got older, I'd go for snook and tarpon. Now is uh, it's like oh my goodness! I I just came back. I spent Father's Day and the day after Father's Day fly fishing for tarpon on the flats there at Home Assassin, and unfortunately, it was not great. You know, the fish had just just there was just a dead couple days of the fish i got uh, three legitimately good shots at at schools of tarpon and they were moving and just they weren't in the mood to feed which was interesting there was uh, two other boats around us and none of them all of them got shots and none of them got any to eat so i just don't think they were eat that day but i i wasn't sharp i hadn't fly fish for tarpon for probably five years four years something so but it's truly a passion i love fly fishing and it definitely is something that's really really special to hook a a fish that's as big as you are and and you're battling it on a fly rod you know that's that's really cool i'm not very good at fly fishing but i still do it for like bluegills yeah and they're fun as heck aren't they i mean they flat work it and and, uh, you know, I used to take a fly rod in my bass boat with me. And anytime we'd go up north and we were fishing, you know, Thousand Islands, Great Lakes or whatever like that, I'd have my fly rod and in practice, I'd pull it out and catch a few smallmouth on top on my fly or on a little streamer or whatever, you know, clouds or minnow and have fun. So, yeah, I, I always would carry that fly rod, but I'm not real good either. I just, 
so the, the thing about fly fishing is just, uh, you know, is doing it, spending a little bit of time doing it and have fun doing it. And don't think that you have to be perfect. Yeah. All you have to do is get the fly to them and, and learn to pick your line up and strip and then set a hook and all that. And, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing, especially with a fish like a tarpon. They're just so, and this is kind of an interesting story. The way I got into that, my dad used to fly fish for trout. So every year, our summer vacation, we'd leave school and we'd go up to the mountains in North Carolina at Highlands and fish for trout. And he loved it. And he would fish, uh, take a fly rod and fish. And I always thought, man, what a waste of time. I take a spinning rod, you know, and flip a MEP spinner over there and just start whacking them and, and catch trout and have fun. And, and, uh, and we'd eat them and loved every minute of it. And, and catching them on fly was a chore. You know, that was something you had to work for. Well, the older you get, the more you appreciate the challenges that, that life presents you. And one of them is fly fishing. It's a challenge to catch fish on a fly. It's just like hunting. You know, you can shoot an animal with a gun and you're pretty much dead going to kill him. You know, if you're a good shot, decent shot, and you don't flinch and you stay calm, you squeeze the trigger and all that, you're going to, the gun sighted in, you know, you can shoot them. It's funny. Gary Klein sent me a, uh, a photo one day. I just got out of my stand and he sent me a photo of a dead deer and he goes 900 yard headshot. So he has a rifle and he shot it at 900 yards. Right. And I had just stepped out of my stand and I took a picture. I read that thing and I took a picture of the deer that I just killed. And I said, 30 yard heart shot with a bow. So bow hunting is the same thing. You have to have an animal close. You have to, you have to do everything right. It's an extreme challenge. You can't let them smell you. You can't move, you know, it's just really, really tough. So that's the same thing with fly fishing. It's a challenge. And Doug Hannon, who is called the bass professor and a, a, a true genius and an innovator and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and a great friend. He said, Shaw, as much as you like sight fishing, you would fall in love with fly fishing for tarpon. Yeah. And I met him at a holiday inn. Uh, I think it was a holiday inn and, and we had breakfast and he walked outside and showed me how to fly cast and double haul. And it took me maybe 15 minutes to get it right, you know, to get where I could be halfway competent. And then we went out fly fishing and I, I had a couple shots and my knees went weak and all that kind of stuff had buck fever, which is tarpon fever when you're tarpon fishing. And it was really cool. And then, you know, it was, it wasn't too much longer, maybe one or two more trips. And I caught one and uh, ecstatic. And, and I mean, I was hooked from the first cast seeing a seven foot long fish swim up to you in three foot of water and you got a fly rod in your hand, that was exceptional, exceptional. So, yeah, that's, I even had Skeet come out and fly fish with me. He, he's a great fly caster. He goes, I would love to do that. And I said, come on, I'll take you. And he's really, like I said, when I say good, he's really good. He's, he like presented the fly perfect. He stripped it. He hooks a good one. I mean, 120 maybe pounds, big tarpon, fights him, fights him, fights him, fights him, fights him, fights him, and does such a fantastic job. And we're getting down to the last minutes. And those tarpon really learn, learn you. You know, they go, okay, if I come under the boat, you can't pull. So they go, ah, it kind of relaxes. So they know they're going to go under the boat. And then, then they come out and you pull, 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 and they go under the boat. You can't really pull because you can't, you end up breaking a fly rod. So they get in this pattern, you know, and then right when it's about over, 
they'll give you one more jump and then you probably drag them to the deal. And that one more jump, it threw the daggum hook and it was like, oh, it was devastating. But, but uh, Skeet's caught so many fish. It's, it's awesome. But yeah, he's a really good fly caster. I certainly enjoyed that. He, he actually calls fly fishermen water whippers. That's what he said in my interview. Yeah, he, you know, he'll make jokes about everybody and everything, and that's cool. You know, he's fun, but he truly loves it, and he's truly good at it. I mean, it's not like it's not like he's kind of halfway. It's not like he's never done it before. No, he he's a good fly fisherman, really good. Yeah. I bet you're doing some a lot of sight fishing now because it's like summertime. You know, I, I, I did more in the spring because they get up shallow. Oh, yeah. And summertime now that it's hot, you know, I, I do more like getting in the heavy cover. Florida is a lot of vegetation, you know, that's where I live. And so we'll be doing flipping and pitching in the mats of vegetation, punching through it. And of course, top water, man, top water can be really good in the summertime. And, and so that's kind of, kind of the deal right now. And it, as it gets a little bit later, they're going to start school pretty good and we'll catch them. In fact, Chapman came down, Brent Chapman came down and fished our local lake because uh, his social media people live right there. And he fished our local lake and caught him back like 11 something, his personal best on a thunder cricket the other day. So it's, uh, it's pretty fun, man. Yeah, he, he, it's, it's just cool. So it's great living in Florida, but really the, the patterns right now are going to be in my area. It's going to be heavy cover flipping a lot of that. And then some some hydrilla and offshore stuff. Then as you move up and you get to the lakes and the reservoirs, you're probably talking more of the ledges and drop-offs and stuff like that. And we're getting ready. Our next tournament's in August at Cayuga. So I don't fish. I fish a little tournament uh, for ICAST, which is our big tackle show, sports yeah. show that for our industry. So you going to be there? I wish. No. Uh, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's a good way to do it, Mom. Come on, Mom. Anyway, yeah, I tell you, it's like, oh, my goodness, is it crazy. If you get to go, you go because it is incredible. It's like Christmas for a fisherman. It has everything, every new bait, every lure, every shirt, everything that's made for fishing. If it has anything to do really with the outdoors, it's there. It's really cool, so it's fun. But anyway, I'll do a ICAST Cup at, at uh, Toho, which is a little tournament for four hours or something for ICAST. And then my next tournament will be the Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour at Cayuga. So Cayuga will be, it'll still be hot August and all that, but it's smallmouth, largemouth, be pitching in the grass and docks fishing and, and some smallmouth jerkbait and stuff. So yeah. it'll be fun, man. Every time you go up north and fish that, uh, you know, those great lakes type things, those are finger lakes, but it's still the same deal. It is a blast to catch smallmouth. My mom thinks I have a lot of fishing stuff, but when she watched your Bass Cave episode, now she doesn't think a walk-in closet is too bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> yep, and she's right. <laughs> so I do have a lot of stuff. But you got to remember, I'm old, and I'm kind of a hoarder. So I, I, you know, it's neat though because somebody goes, "Man, do you have one of these?" And I go, "Yeah, I got one." And so you know, we'll go get it for him, which is cool. Guy came by and. My, actually, my underwater camera guy from doing my TV show, he, his boat, he'd got this boat and the latches were all corroded and broken. And he said, man, do you happen to have a latch like this? And I go, yeah, I got a whole set of them. So I gave him a whole set of latches for his boat. And, and it's kind of neat to be able to do that for people. 
you know, just because you've been doing it for so long. So, yeah, I, it's fun. And I do have um, a lot of memories there. I just got a little walk-in closet. I use the shelves to put all my boxes, and I got a little desk on the wall. And I clamp my jig tying vice on it. Dude, that's awesome. So you tie. I like it. Yeah. I like it. And see, there you go. You need to be a fly fisherman. Tie your own flies. There you go. Next thing you know, you'll be down here fishing with me for a tarpon. <laughs> I saw you look over to mom. Like, are we going to Florida? <laughs> so, can you tell us about the show you used to do? Was it like sure? Yep. I, so I did one more. I think it aired twenty-two seasons. Pretty sure it was that. But anyway, that we ran it for twenty-two seasons, and we'd film. 13 shows. I love fly fishing. I would have, like I said, I would have done all my shows fly fishing, but there weren't the sponsorship for that. So, you know, to, to have a show, it's pretty expensive to film it and edit it and then to buy the time on the network and all that kind of stuff. So I ended up uh, doing half and half, half salt water, half fresh water. Um, and then it kind of went to like 13 shows a year with eight fresh water and and uh five salt water and that's kind of way way we ran it most of the time was five salt water eight fresh water so it was a lot of fun a lot of fun took me a lot of different places and you know i got the i got to catch some big tuna and and uh, goliath grouper and and i got to go to brazil and catch peacocks and you know it was just it was a lot of fun and and you know it was a real show so if we caught one pounders, you saw one pounders. If it, uh, you know, if we caught some big ones, we caught big ones. And, uh, you know, it wasn't like I'd catch five pounders all the time. I did, just didn't do that. So, but anyway, yeah, it was a fun, fun endeavor and carried me a lot of places. And, and uh, I, was, I was pretty proud of it. We had a great crew that crew that, you know, uh, made their living in the, in the film and, and outdoor industry. And they, they, uh, you know, like one of our guys, Mark Emery, he's won two Emmys for their for his outdoor stuff, outdoor films. And uh, another guy's one of the best editors in the world. My underwater guys are fantastic. And so uh, we had, you know, camera guys, like one of my camera guys, my main camera guy, he would, he now films for Major League Fishing and, and stuff like that. So, you know, they're just a great, great crew. And like I said, took me a lot of places and I loved every minute of it. So... But, you know, getting older, that's, it was a real grind to do that show and be gone so much. I mean, it really takes you away from home. And I have uh, three grandkids, uh, Bryce, who walked in a second ago and walked out right here. But he, uh, he's 15. He just killed his first turkey this year, which was an incredible big Osceola turkey, uh, beautiful bird only had about a 10 and a half or 10 and a quarter inch beard but he had mongo mongo spurs on him so that was cool yeah. and and he wants to catch a tarpon now and so you know that's going to be our next pursuit and and then i've got uh, his sister uh, she's five and then i got another one that's a son's daughter that's three going to turn four in september so it's you know i ended up saying instead of spending all the time out on the road doing that i'd like to spend time with family and and take them and let them enjoy you know, the, the great times that I've had and the memories I've had, let them make some memories too. So you talked about the pattern all this time of year has been like 
uh, like flipping and pitching heavy cover. I hear those mats in Florida are quite a bit bigger than they are up here up north. So are you using like a one and a half ounce lay? Exactly. I, I mean, I sometimes use a two ouncer. I don't like to. So an ounce and a half, I try to make that my biggest. So it's ounce, ounce and a quarter, ounce and a half are my main. But I've had I've had mats that you just couldn't get through them unless you had a two ouncer. So, you know, I'd get a big two ounce uh, tungsten and plunk it through there and hang on, man, because, you know, they get you. It's it's in such thick stuff. It's like you, like you hooked a car. You know, it doesn't want to really move. And then you just keep pulling and pulling, and it might come out of the mat. It might be under it. You have to go dig them out. I, I've done that a few times. Are you? I bet you're using like the Rage Bug. My favorite, <laughs> Menace, the the Rage Menace. So here's another one for you, since I know you watch YouTube and all that. Um, and I don't know if it's on YouTube. It come on, I'm having an old age moment here. JT Kenny, JT Kenny does the JT Kenny Fishing Show, and it might be on uh, my outdoor TV, you know, streaming deal. But he did a show with me down at Headwaters, which is where Roland fishes like every day at Headwaters. It's a sculpted, really beautiful lake that's down in the Palm Bay area of Florida. And so he had me come down there because I did the original video for Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission on that lake. They sculpted it, they built it, and they wanted people to know about it. So I did the promo video for them and talked about it. And JT said, I saw that video and now I'm here and living here and they're bringing it online and they're letting people fish. And I'd like you to be my guest there. So I, I went down there and I'd be doggone if I didn't catch it. I think it was a 12 four five twelve point four five flipping wow. the the rage menace menace is this little twin tail grub you know yeah. and i scarfed it and i set the hook it was really cool because it's in a mat of hydrilla just a solid mat of hydrilla and i set the hook and he boils up so we see a piece of it and jt goes oh that's a good one that's that's a six pounder that'll finish the show be our hero fish at, at the show well he comes out of the mat and we get a better look at it he goes Man, that's a good one. That's an eight. That's at least an eight, right? We get it up and he lifts it. So he grabs it by lips. He lifts it up. He goes, dude, that's like 10. So now it went six, eight, 10. We put it in the live well. He gets the cameras, gets the scale, you know, everything's set up now. We're going to do the weigh-in on the, on the major league fishing scale. He hangs it in there and it goes 12.5. And then when they filmed it it dropped to 12.45 and, and went back but anyway so we officially it was a 12.45 12 and a half pound large mouth <laughs> so every time it went up two pounds on our estimation it went six eight ten and then end up 12 and a half <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so you can catch biggins on little baits yes you're also pretty good at bed fishing do you have any tricks for that i'm not very good at it yeah you know sight fishing is 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 a Another passion of mine is just like fly fishing for tarpon, man. You're looking at the fish. You got to make the right presentation. You don't want to spook them and all that kind of stuff. So if you're fishing for one, and I think I'll, I'll, I'll preface that real quick with the coolest thing about the Bass Pro Tour is we catch one and we put it right back. So it, it goes right back to the bed, which is really cool. But anyway, if you want to catch one, you don't want to plunk it right on his head. You'd like to go like three or four feet past it and then work it real slow back to that bed. Cause as you're coming back to that bed, 
that fish is looking at it and it's getting madder and madder and madder as you're bringing it to it, right? And so by the time you get to the bed, it's getting pretty fired up and a lot of times they'll eat it first cast and that's really fun. So that's kind of what I do. I use light line most of the time, you know, eight, 10 pound test. You can use drop shot. You can use, you know, uh, a regular Texas rig and stuff. And if it's a big one, if I'm looking at a big one, I'll get big old fat line and, you know, 20 pound, uh, you know, uh, a Brazex fluorocarbon or sometimes even 50 pound braid, you know, smack down braid, just pick it on them and jack them up and throw them in the boat, you know, whatever you got to do to catch them. So. What are your top three events you've ever fished in? Wow. You know, the, the Bassmaster Classic is a big one. You know, that's always, you know, I almost won it one year. I didn't win it. I finished second. I think David Fritz won it that year. And then, uh, you know, it's, and I fished some, I've just got so many great tournament memories, like uh, 1984 Redman All-American. I ended up winning that, you know, a hundred grand. And back in 84, $100,000 was huge amount of money. And that kind of kicked my pro career off because I just started becoming a pro March of 84. And I win that in November of 84. It was pretty cool too, because my wife had come, I'm leading after the first day. And, uh, you know, it, the, the finals, the championship was on the Kissimmee chain, Toho. And she comes to me and tells me that she's, uh, pregnant with our first child. So it's like, I better win this thing. <laughs> so, and, and I did, which was good. And so winning that, and of course, oh, you know, like winning my last tournament as an old guy, when you win one, it's, it's special. Even like, you know, we went to Lake of the Ozarks the other day and I led, the whole first day and and a little bit of the second day but i led that uh that you know against the best in the world man i mean we're talking the young guys the the old guys everybody out there you know when you lead in a major league fishing event it's it's pretty special so and i ended up fifth after two days and the fish were kind of going away from the bed and so it was a little tougher but you know every day on the water is special and fun and you learn something and it's challenging and so yeah, I, uh, those are some of my special days on the water. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Catchy Knowledge. I have something exciting to share with you. I got to go Mako shark fishing with Conway Bowman, who I interviewed in episode 24, and I caught a Mako. I'm working on creating a video to share the experience with you guys. It was awesome. I'd like to thank Shaw again for coming on. I wish him luck in the upcoming events. You should also check him out on social media. I'd also like to give a big thank you to Conway Bowman for taking me out shark fishing. It was a blast. Don't forget to tune in to our next episode and hear the rest of my interview with Shaw. That's all for this episode. See you next time on Catchy Knowledge.